When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's a Monday morning. It's football and random things here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Hi, Jeff Woody. Not a not a fun day. Not a fun day from the the football and random things. If we did a Bart, if we did a Bart podcast, we it'd be happy and fun right now. But this is a fart podcast, which is not happy and fun. Yes, basketball was very happy and fun yesterday. Uh, which I got to say, thanks uh, to Al Jazz Coons, who went uh, five for five from three point range, seventh cyclone in history. I would, uh, if, if anybody hasn't listened to quarter three, where you and Scott are just talking basketball, that is like you at your, in your most element and Scott in his most element, like that is high quality podcasting. If you haven't listened to it yet, dear cyclone listener, go back and listen to the previous ones. It's awesome. I appreciate that, man. As much fun as I have talking football with you. Uh, I mean, you know, that basketball is where I, uh, where I thrive as far as like my actual knowledge of the game, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's always fun to get to do that with Scott. Um, all right. But like you mentioned, it is a football and random things podcast. Uh, I don't even know that like, I don't even know that I was mad after Iowa state's 28 to 21 loss to Oklahoma on Saturday. You know, it's cliche to say I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But like, I think as much as anything, that's what I was. I was just bummed. It was uh, another reminder of what this year is going to be as far as being a, a what if, you know, just a handful of things go differently. I obviously probably wins the game in Norman. Uh, but, you know, they didn't go Iowa State's way. And yeah. that's just what's uh, you just kind of walk away from it. And you're like, well, shit. I guess it is what it is. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I think the, the emotion, I saw this quote from Charlie and I don't know if, if everybody's read it or saw it or have seen it or whatever, but um, this was a an interview and I don't even know where it was from, but sure it was, I think it was just from that, the post game from the, the post game press conferences. Yeah. So Charlie says losing sucks. We keep coming up short. It's just frustrating. I'm not upset at anyone. I feel like this team fights with every ounce of their body. Can't dig holes. Can't get down 14 points with eight minutes to play. 
as my career is dwindling down as a cyclone, even times like this, you've got to be grateful for people around you because people misunderstand sometimes when coach talks about process, that it doesn't mean loot losses don't hurt any less. So many of us give so much of our lives year round. And especially in season of this team, when we come up short like this, it expletive hurts. It hurts trying to be trying through my faith and through our team to be grateful for what we have, but yeah, it hurts. There's no frustration between each other. It's just, we're competitors and we lost twice in a row on either the last play of the game or one of the last plays of the game. We never die easy, but we find some crazy ways to lose sometimes. And the season ends or as the season ends, just trying to find ways to lay the foundation for the young guys, because this program has a bright future. Obviously I'm disappointed with the way my and our senior senior season has gone, but I don't really have any answers. I think that is about as well as you could possibly sum up most people's emotion to it is you're mad that you lost or disappointed that you lost. You're not really mad at anyone. It's just because like all of the losses that they've had have been such, I don't know, crazy circumstances to cause a loss. I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah. And you know, this game on Saturday, I felt the entire first half felt so chaotic and when it had that chaotic vibe, I, I thought that that really did not play into Iowa state's hands at all. And it was mm-hmm. like, they've got to get this, you know, I texted you. I don't, I don't know that I've seen an I a Matt Campbell team need halftime more than what that team did. You know, like everybody yeah. just needed to go to the locker room and calm the F down for like 10 mm-hmm. minutes and just relax. Cause it just seemed like everybody was pressing you know, well, and And, I think especially, especially the offensive line, I think that was the biggest, and it's not even necessarily, you know, the offensive line didn't play exceptionally well. Um, but physically they didn't play exceptionally poorly. Like if they were on a person, if they had got to where they were supposed to be, they blocked them. Well, it wasn't physically, they couldn't handle Oklahoma. It was that the, the blitzes and pressures and stuff, the, the, the different looks that they were giving confused the hell out of the offensive line. And I, and I mean, they got corrected towards the end of the game, obviously, because there was touchdown drives, but at the same time, like most of the game, you felt, yeah, that the game was going faster for them in their heads than it actually was on the field. That was the, the, I think the poorest performance I've seen from an Iowa state offensive line in several years, probably. I mean, where they were just, I mean, where they were just purely owned by another group for the majority of the game, you know? Well, they were, yeah. And there was mentally outmaneuvered, yeah. which is weird because Colin Newell, I think Jay has talked about it a fair amount. Colin Newell is a mental center. He is not a physical center where physical center, like Linderbaum, every, I mean, every center is going to be compared to Tyler Linderbaum because he's really good. Linderbaum is both, but he's more physically the guy than he is mentally the guy. He's a sharp dude. But like the thing is, is once he gets, I mean, you're not going to knock him off course. And he's also going to get people in place. Like that's the, the kind of thing that he does and the kind of element that he brings to the Iowa offensive line is being able to like physically move people. Very rarely do you get a center that's, that's, that does both, which is why Linderbaum's so highly regarded. Cause usually either you're a guy that thinks really well or a guy that moves really well and very rarely is it both. And so Newell is a guy that thinks really well. He's usually getting everybody in the right position and go back and listen to whatever fart we talked about, what centers the center's job is, but his job, what he's really usually good at is saying, 
hey, we're going to set the blocking seam off this guy. The, zones, the zone blocking seam is going over here. You're taking this guy. The blitz is coming off the right side. So, hey, our tight end needs to go out. Like, he's usually good at coordinating everything, and he wasn't, which is weird. And I don't think – I don't know if it was necessarily him, but the offensive line was completely out of sorts as far as picking up the pressures that Alex Grinch was throwing. Yeah, and that's where you got to tip your cap to Alex Grinch and what that – you know, defensive front seven was able to do like at the end of the day, man, like Nick Benito, Perry on Winfrey, like those, uh, what's his name? Isaiah Thomas. Like those are damn good players, man. Like those guys are all really good. They're all going to play in the NFL. And, you know, you could just tell that they had a very good schematic plan, you know, and they were able yeah. to do some things that gave those gave Iowa state some serious trouble because I don't know that I've seen and I've watched an Iowa state game where more, blitzers free and runners. rushers were just free running to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. where you felt really bad for Brock because then Brock all of a sudden is running for his life and he's starting to do some things that you're just like, okay, this is going very poorly. You know, mm -hmm. Brock's getting his ass kicked back there. And that was frustrating because you just sit there watching and you're like, man, what, like what the hell is going on? And why are these people just running straight through the middle of the line, completely untouched? Well, I think that's a familiarity breeds contempt situation. I mean, also familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> that was chippy. That was a contentious <laughs> football game. And, was, and I want to say this too. Game. I think if those two teams played a hundred times, they each win 50. Yeah. You know, like uh, those it, I think that's, very evenly matched football teams. That's, that's kind of how it's been for the last five years now. You know, I, I think Oklahoma has won what four out of the six or three out of the six, four out of the either six. way. But either way, every one of them's come down 19. to the very last 19. possession. Yeah, four out of the six. So everyone's yeah, every one of them's come out the very last possession, which is just some freak thing. It happens. But but the thing that's frustrating about the um, like Alex so Alex Grinch being able to get generate pressure uh, by confusing the offensive line or confusing whether it's Brock or whether it's Newell or whether it's just individual guys in the offensive line that need to know what they're doing. I don't know, but his they have in the same way that. Iowa State's defense watches watches enough film and has enough experience. When Ky I mean uh, Caleb Williams, that was exactly what I thought Caleb how Iowa State was going to play Caleb Williams. Now, granted, you don't want to give up a seventy-five yard touchdown run, true, but uh, I mean the kid's going to make a play. He's an athlete. But in the same way, outside of that play, I would say he played a poor game. Like that was not a good Oklahoma offensive performance because they know that Caleb Williams doesn't read defense as well. Like the interception that uh, I think McDonald was the one that ended up getting the interception uh, that was tipped by Hummel. Uh -huh. That's a terrible read. I mean, Joel Klatt, I, one of my favorites, we talked about it before Joel Klatt, one of my favorite color guys actually, I mean, very, very succinctly described it as he was like, that read is very easy. And when you look, there's a middle open, so there's the middle defender and you throw to the opposite side of the middle defender. You don't try and force a ball to where that defender is going. Well, Caleb Williams to the, at this point, doesn't feel comfortable reading defenses. So he had what, like 90 passing yards on the entire game. Yeah. And outside eight, of that one big Caleb Williams eight, line for the day, eight of 18 for 87 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Yeah. And outside of that one 75 yard run didn't really run all that effectively either. Like outside of that one play, which again, you can't take plays out and just say like, Oh, this didn't happen. But outside of that one play, he played pretty poorly. And so that's, that's exactly the scheme. But it, back to the original point is 
John Haycock knows Oklahoma and what Oklahoma wants to do on offense. And Alex Grinch now knows Iowa State and what Iowa State wants to do on offense. And so you play each other enough times in enough stakes games. It's just like next week when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play. It's going to be a completely different game than most teams against the opponent are going to be playing because they know each other so well and the stakes are so high that you invest a lot of mental energy in being like, what does – I don't know. What does Oklahoma's defense do that we really don't like that we can tweak into to adjust that thing? So like they're on the table as a team that you adjust your team, your scheme around because you're so familiar with what they do. So I mean, Alex Grinch and John Haycock obviously called really good defensive games. They just did. And that's, and that's not super surprising from how familiar each team is with judge and how with each other, excuse me, and how good those guys are at calling defenses. Right. And it just is, I don't know. Let's talk about the, the uh, offensive play calling in the first half. Uh, it felt like a air of desperation at times and it was one of those things where you could tell that they knew they had nothing to lose, which obviously they don't like they they're going in there. Oklahoma's 10 and one. It's like, man, we've got nothing to lose at this point. We might as well throw all our cards on the table, you know, but there were points where it's like, they were trying to do some really odd things. It felt like with getting too cute that mm-hmm. I'm interested to know what you think of the, you know, I think one of the best examples is what was, was it the third down when they tried to run a toss to Brees and then he was going to throw it back to Brock on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then there was the one where they, uh, you know, apparently ran the play wrong where Hunter Deckers came in and he handed it off to, or he tossed it to Jalen. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Noel threw it back to him for like a six yard gain that ended up not working. I mean, it got negated anyway mm-hmm. because of the penalty, but it was like, those kinds of things were the ones where I was like, okay, I get wanting to open up the playbook. I get wanting to do these things, but you're in like a two minute drill trying to go get a field goal to take the lead against Oklahoma into the halftime, which I don't know when Iowa state would have ever had a lead against Oklahoma at halftime. And, you know, like I, I told, uh, I told you that they had the lead in the first quarter for the first time since 2015. I can't even imagine when the last time they had a lead at halftime was. And yeah, and you pull out a play like that at that time. And it's just kind of like, like why, you know, that's yeah. what I, I what I was thinking. I would imagine that comes at least a little bit from frustration, but they probably also had, I mean, when they were in like six, what I was like, Oh, it's a great play. They were in like six trick plays. <laughs> yeah. In the I mean, game. True. And again, and they, sometimes they were like that fake yeah. punt. If you run the fake punt, and the fake punt works. You're like, man, what a great play call in that situation. And then it does. And if a play doesn't work, you're like, that's a desperate play. So it's one of those things that like a hindsight's 2020. 20. Um, but I do think that calling that volume of plays is, yeah, just sort of like, yeah, what the hell do we got to have? What the hell do we got to lose? I think they, uh, I think they probably did those a little bit more out of frustration because they wanted like the Brees throw thing. I actually don't dislike that call at all because the amount of eyeballs and the amount of focus that Brees brings when he catches that, when he catches a toss and you have, you know, 11 dudes that are trying to run to him because he deservedly brings all that attention. If you have 11 guys running to you, you have no one covering anybody else. So you would assume 
based on that, that they're going to leave somebody else. They're going to leave somebody uncovered, but the penetration was the problem. And the penetration has been the problem was the problem the whole day mm -hmm. is that you get someone as a run through and Brees doesn't have time to even, I mean, he's not Brock Purdy. He's not going to be comfortable standing under pressure and delivering a throw you need as a guy who's not done that before as it, or doesn't ever frequently do that. You need to be able to just go, all right, clean, open pocket, like the Xavier Hutchinson touchdown throw to Tariq Milton. Like you need to have a completely open space that you can throw it something to. And if you didn't have a run through, maybe that happens, but you did have a run through. So it didn't happen. And then the one of, uh, I do think that they were trying to get uh, a home run shot when they brought in uh, Deckers for that reverse thing. And I'm guessing, it, it, and you know, Clatt mentioned that it was a failure of the coaching staff to communicate to Deckers that you can't pass it, which is probably true. But at the same time, kid just walked in front of 80,000 people in Norman, Oklahoma on national television at big noon. You think his mind shorted a little bit? Probably. I, I'm going to guess that's probably what happened. Like they, mm -hmm. you can't have the, every coach is going to understand the double forward pass you, that you can't do that. So they probably said, and probably like right, even before he went out there, he's like, Hey man, got to hand it can't throw it. And he gets out there and you go, Oh God. Ah. Have you ever had that, uh, the, the, the trope of the dream where you walk on stage and you're in your underwear, like that kind of thing. Like it, basically what it feels like the first time you go in front of this huge crowd and this big moment, you go, Oh God. Uh, and your brain just stops. So I, I mean, stuff like that, I think it was a little more desperate than you probably needed, but I don't hate, hate it. I just hate the outcome. I think the biggest thing above all of it was they couldn't find a way to consistently block and stop run throughs. And because of that, they tried more stuff than they probably should have to get around it and they couldn't get around it. So just, it was, it was the penetration, the run throughs, that was the story of the game and even penetration and run throughs when they didn't happen, when Brock overthrew chase at the very end of the game, which was probably the saddest play of the season. I think like it happened and your heart just sinks. But when that happened and Brock floated in the pocket to his right, when he didn't need to, and he threw it off his back foot when he didn't need to, and like, I'm sure when you go back and watch that film in isolation, he's going to be really disappointed and frustrated with himself because he floated off of his spot in the pocket for no real good reason. But there was a push, somebody, it was a guard or a tackle on the left side. It might've even been Newell. I don't know, but there's some pressure just off of his left side as he's looking at the, at the, at the defense and a guy pushes him back. And because of all the pressure that he'd felt, he felt like he needed to give himself space. If he stands there in the pocket, the guy who he was trying to throw over, like I think it was number 11, the defensive or the, the linebacker, I think the number 11, either way, the linebacker that he had to throw over, which made that throw high. If he stays in the pocket right where he was, that guy's not, in, he's nowhere near where that play is. So he can just drive that ball at a hundred miles an hour to chase who can do whatever with it, whether it's the same thing he did on his touchdown or you're dragging people or you just catch it. You drag a safety for three yards. You get a first down, you keep moving, but you're able to do that if he doesn't move off the spot. But the only reason he moves off the spot in the first place is because he got hit so many times and so hard that he didn't have faith that if he were to stay there, he wasn't going to get hit. So he's starting to jump at ghosts a little bit because of how frequently he was getting hit. So 
that was the story of the whole game is the penetration that Oklahoma state or excuse me, Oklahoma got to just throw a wrench into whatever Iowa state was trying to do. Uh, I'll give Hunter credit for one thing on that play. That, that was a great catch. I tweeted that out. I was like, man, Hunter looked like he was going to get a rebound for the West Sioux Falcons or something like that. Like that's <laughs> gosh, man, you know, and I watched Hunter box play, out. great box out. I watched Hunter play at the state basketball tournament when he was in high school. And that looked exactly like what, uh, what he was doing down at Wells Fargo arena. So it was, uh, you guys get established on the block. You, uh, your guard wants to get it into you. That's what that was. Yeah. Hunter was a, was a great basketball player. You could see it not on that one play, but, uh, no, it, yeah. I mean, that play, the last play was, was you're right. It was very disappointing because I think that you could see when they lined up for the play, if you know their offense very well, you could look at it and look at the formation and see, okay, chase has really nobody lined up over the top of them. They're going to have him basically chip if someone is coming and then he's going to slip out and run a drag mm -hmm. and be wide open. And he was, mm -hmm. and that's why I think I was so bummed was like, man, with a good throw, that's a touchdown. Even with just like an, mm -hmm. an okay throw, it's probably a touchdown, yeah. you know? And, or yeah. Or like you said, at minimum, it's a first down and you, you keep playing, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that stunk, man, because Brock had done a lot to come back into the game after shoot getting his ass kicked and then you know taking a helmet to helmet hit on that fourth and two uh when they tried to run the the read and you know fourth end that way was was a real disappointment but man for that final drive no one deserves a bigger shout out for that final drive than number 88 man if, if you are a Mackie voter if you are a Mackie voter and you were watching that football game i don't know how you walk away and say i'm not going to vote for charlie kohler there's that was as, I mean, that had to have been maybe not his best game because he's had some pretty damn good games, but that's got to be up there. And oh, no, it's his was, best it, game. It's his best game. 12, what, what was his final line? 12 catches for 152 for yards and, and a touchdown. And a touchdown. Yeah. Has three touchdown catches in the last two weeks. But like the, the, the understanding that everybody on the field knows that 88's getting the ball against a top 10 team, whether or not they're top 10 now, or they will be on Tuesday, they're top 10 team. And you go and do that. And I mean, this, the coaches know the players know the safeties know the linebackers know the defensive linemen know is find 88 and make sure that you can double cover. Now, granted, they just forgot once which completely inexplicable blown coverage when they just i think the one where he got like 30 yards or something like that when he just when they blew that one that was I had no, no idea how that happened was that but, the fourth down when he ran the hitch yeah yeah and that one was weird was too because they had two people lined up over the top of him on the on the formation so like you look at it as they line up and you're like okay and they'd called timeout to make sure that they said we're gonna double cover 88 and you still and you looked at it and you're like by the time he caught the ball, there's no one within 10 yards of him. You're like, like, how did that happen? Where'd those guys go? You know, yeah. where'd the two people who were lined up over the top of the one guy that you needed to make sure and cover, where did both of them go? And that's yeah, like Oklahoma know. football in a nutshell right there is like, where did those guys go? Yeah, but it was, he was, I think he is finally fully healthy and has been for the past two or three weeks. And this is the Charlie that you would have seen in the beginning part of the year 
but he got a high ankle sprain. And for those that had ever had a high ankle sprain. So that was, I had that my senior year of, or my, my junior year of football. And it, I was out for the entire, I, I wrestled up until that year. I got a high ankle sprain the last regular season football game. And I think October or November, and I was out for the entire wrestling season just because that injury takes so long to come back from because it's so uncomfortable. Uh, and dude is, I mean, it took two and a half months for him to finally be at this level and to have that again, another thing that's just disappointing is to have that performance come in a loss, you know? I mean, that is the great, that's the, that's the, the fairy tale story of kid goes back to Norman balls out, makes a comeback, leads the team to a, a, a comeback win, but it's just that much short. So I don't know. It, it, that was as good as he's played. I thought, honestly, Brees had one of his best pass, pass catching games. I mean, again, you, you don't, I think Clatt said it again, that he's like, this dude's gonna be a first round pick. I don't know if he's gonna be a first round pick just because running backs generally don't get picked in the first round, uh, unless a team is really desperate for a running back, in which case maybe, but the, the ability of that he has in every facet of the game was on display on Saturday. I mean, granted he got the, the record tying touchdown and the very first drive, which was awesome after that, Joe scales asterisk skates. Yeah. yeah catches that pass. Joe Skates, but, Joe Skates emerges from whatever doghouse he's been in for the last month to come in and catch two balls on the first possession. And it they threw it to him once. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, Joe Skates is back now. <laughs> they let Joe Skates out of his, he's, he's able to do this again. Joe Skates was, was, like, in, was in witness somewhere. protection for the last month and then shows up to make two big catches on the first drive against Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Brees was as good as he's been in the past game. But again, penetration is the, is the, the dagger for all of it. It doesn't matter how good your skill guys are. It doesn't matter how on your quarterback might be or how on your running back might be. If you have, if you have run throughs, the rhythm timing and positioning of every play gets completely thrown out the window. For sure. Um, all right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back. Talk more about this game on football and random things on the cycle and podcast network. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back into Football and Random Things here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Um, all right, we talked a lot about the offense, talked a little bit about the defense. I do want to say one thing about that defense, man. 
Iowa State has some absolute freaking dogs on in the young from in their young players in the secondary man. Oh yeah, like like those guys are going to be very very good in in the I future. Text you, I text you this next year. I mean, they might have their safeties might even be a step up from what they have this year next year because you're going to have Aishin back probably. Aishin, mm-hmm. uh, Bo Freiler, and then. Uh, is it Craig McDonald? Yeah. Craig McDonald. Yeah. You're going to have, but McDonald Fryler and young. I mean, those are, those are three dudes that'll absolutely take your head off and they can cover, you mm-hmm. know, like that's, that's a really dirty safety group. And then the, the purchase kid, the corner just came out of no, I mean, he has, he's Miles probably purchase, what, a yeah. freshman. Yeah. He's played a little bit in, in a handful of games, but this was by far his most extensive run that he's gotten all year. Yeah. And so he played well, I mean, pretty well, because yeah. you're going to lose Anthony Johnson and Daytron young. So you're going to be repl- at least replacing two corners. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on whoever, but like they have all those guys, Gary Vaughn got the start. Cause I don't know if something is wrong with the Ryan Vance. I didn't see him play. Um, but you have Gary Vaughn getting the start. You have horn. That's actually coming in and playing a pretty substantial amount. You've got a lot of young defensive linemen that are coming in. I mean, Zach Peterson might be the cornerstone of the defensive line next year, along with, guys like Isaiah Lee or J.R. Singleton. And, and you got a lot of talent that's coming back. Like this, Blake Peterson the, played quite a bit. He's all of a sudden got his way Tucker into Robertson? rotation. Yeah, like, well, Tucker Robertson's, I think, a fifth-year senior. So I don't know if he'll okay. be back, but yeah. yeah. But either way, you have guys that are not your your number one kind of tier, top-tier guys that are that played really well on Saturday. Uh, the, also, your top-tier guys played really well. I mean, the Mike Rose effect there are so many times when Kennedy Brooks, cause they would run and that Oklahoma has run that forever is that kind of slow quarterback read. It's sort of like a Kansas state play where the running back is trying to more or less stay behind the center or the guard, like the front side guard at matching whatever pace they're going to. And then if they get a corner, he's going to pop out the front side, but if not, he's going to essentially try and build the linebacker up into that pile and cut behind it. They run it for, 30 years they're going to keep running it as long as Lincoln Riley is there. Uh, but so many of those plays, it looks like, Oh, you know, he makes, makes one cut and then assume that he's going to be gone or assume that he's going to be one-on-one with a safety. And all of a sudden 23 comes out of nowhere front side or backside and just makes a tackle six yards in. And then it's second and four. And instead of being, you know, a 15, 20 yard gain, it's second and four. So the Mike Rose effect is real. And the, the first time, that you almost don't want a sack to be a strip sack was the Will McDonald sack in the end zone in the end zone. Yeah. Just man that close. And I don't, I fail to understand the, can you advance the ball or can you not advance the ball on these fumbles? Like I, I don't, the, the, the one with uh, when Caleb Williams took the ball from Kennedy Brooks against Kansas, like ever since then, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know how that rule works anymore. I thought, I think it's only on fourth down and somebody's probably got a, a better understanding of the rule, but I think it's only on fourth down where you can't advance a fumble. But even then, how does like the last play of the game, like throw it backwards, throw it backwards, throw it backwards situation work. If it's lateral, I don't know. I don't understand the advanced thing, but either way, Will McDonald doing Will McDonald things. I mean, it, it, yeah, the defense, it's exactly what you expected from the defense. That was to a T what I was thinking was going to happen against the Oklahoma offense. For sure. Um, I do think we need to say too, Hunter Deckers came in 
after, so they brought him in the first time when Brock first went to the locker room, that first drive, and obviously threw an interception where they tried to throw it down the field back-to-back times uh, right off the bat. Uh, Again, on stage with your underpants, same yeah. thing. Yeah, and he's running away from his throwing side, back across his body, tries to chuck one down the field. Just eat, it. eat it, young fella. <laughs> Just eat Don't it. Don't throw that one. Throw yeah. that one into the ninth row of the stands. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure that Hunter knows. He probably knew that the second he threw it. He, Oh, God, I shouldn't have done that, you know? <laughs> like, yep. I could just imagine that that's what's in his mind is the second he did it, I should not have done that. And, yep. uh, you know, it is what it is. That's a young guy having to, you know, trying to make a play, and it just doesn't work out for you. And at the end of the day, it didn't really – I don't think it really made that big of a difference. I think they forced him to punt and got the ball right back. But uh, yeah. the drive that he led then at the beginning of the fourth quarter was – I mean – that was really good. You know, he looked really good on that drive and they were able to get down the field and score a touchdown. And it was like, that was the thing where you're like, okay, that's what, when you hear how much he has progressed, that's what it looks like. Like, I think Hunter is going to be really good for Iowa state. Once he is, is the starting quarterback. It just looks like he's come in some weird situations when he's had to come in and make plays been under some weird pressure. And I think the offense, and you know, you you can't you can't talk about Hunter Deckers and not talk about next year. And and we're going to spend at least a little bit of time going, kind of previewing the, this final Senior Day TCU game. But you can't talk about Hunter Deckers and not talk about next year. And next year, the offense is going to look substantially different than it does this year. Because as Matt Campbell has shown, out of necessity, they created the the defense that is sweeping the country. They said we don't have four defensive linemen or a rotation of two sets of four defensive linemen that we can trust to have depth. So we can do three and three, five, because Ray Lima can stick in the middle and we got guys on the end and whatever. It's out of necessity. They get the best 11 on the field and they did what those best, those 11 can do. Brock Purdy's style of offense and Brees Hall's style of running is run the ball. You can have quick underneath drag routes, very accurate, read what's going on, making good decisions and let him be competitive. And when in doubt, make a decision. He doesn't also have, he doesn't really have the best deep ball. In fact, I would say his deep ball throwing is subpar relative to other quarterbacks that are kind of at the level that he's at. Hunter Deckers is a phenomenal deep ball thrower. And that dude has a cannon. You're also losing Charlie. You're also losing chase. Jared Russ is going to, I think is able, able to come back. Um, I don't know if he is or wouldn't, but you might have a fullback comeback, but the uh, you're going to lose a lot of your big physical guys and you're going to lose Brees Hall. You're going to replace them with Deion Silas and Eli Sanders that are, and Jairo Brock is going to be back potentially. And so you have all of, you have a very different offense with what you had this year. And Hunter Deckers, as soon as he came in, I think I text you when we were texting back and forth, Hunter Deckers, your completion percentage is going to go down substantially and your yards per attempt is going to go up substantially because this, the offense, when he's in and when they go to tailor it like to him, as the season, like the off season progresses, it's going to be a lot more down the field. It is going to be a lot more deep shots. It's going to be a lot more uh, deep posts. I mean, stuff, cause the kid can freaking sling it. He's not as mature and not a, a yet as Brock is as far as reading coverages and stuff. So you're going to probably get more incompletions. You're going to get more interceptions, but you're also going to get a lot more 70 yard touchdowns. So it's going to be a lot different of an offense next year. And I think guys like Sanders and Silas 
are comfortable more in spread than they are like Brees is a downhill kind of, you know, patient Le'Veon Bell punisher of a running back. Mm -hmm. I think this offense is going to be a lot more open next year, just because the personality and the personnel of this group is going to be much more down the field. They can do more of that. So it was funny. I think as he was standing on the sideline, I sent you that text. And then the first pass that he throws is a 65 yard interception. Like, all right, well, yards per attempt high completion percentage, low check, check. Yeah. And he made a throw to X or, uh, well attempted a throw to X in the, on a fade route towards the front corner of the end zone where, I mean, there's a great ball. Yeah. Great. Ball. It, right. I mean, it was a tough, it was going to be a tough play to make because it, he, there were, the defender was, was right there with him, but it was like, shh, if you're going to throw that ball, the only place you can throw it is right where he threw it, you know? And, yeah. and if you can, but if you could practice that, I mean, that's the Aaron Rodgers to Devonte Adams. That's mm -hmm. that throw is understanding when I have a, when I have a communication, a connection with my wide receiver, that if that dude is, Cause that he was in a, like an even position. He wasn't necessarily, you didn't stack him. Cause if you're, so if you're throwing a, a deep ball, a stack position is when, if I'm number 80, he's dead in between the eight and the zero on my back. Like he is dead behind me and I've stacked him. That's a great position for a quarterback to throw a deep ball. And if that's, a, if that's the case, you are leading him down the field because the defender can only pass interfere at that point. Well, if he's even with you, the best play, the best thing to do, if you're side to side, if you're number eight, zero, he can see neither my eight or my zero. He's on my shoulder. If that's the position that he's in, the best way to throw it is a back shoulder fade because that guy has to stop at the same time that you stop, but you know you're stopping and he doesn't. And so that's what Rogers and Adams do so well and have done for so many years is he, they can, Adams knows the position that he's in against his corner and Rogers knows the position that he's in and they just communicate on that fact. So it might be a deep ball that they throw a back shoulder and it's not necessarily planned. It's just where the position of the guy is. So Hunter Deckers, if X knew that that was the throw that was going to come out, he would approach it. He would have approached it differently, but he didn't know that Deckers was going to throw it there because Brock usually doesn't throw that ball there. He's usually going to throw it up and away and he's going to let, you know, the, the, the catches that Charlie and, X are going to do are going to be that turnaround, catch it at its high point, drag a toe and call it, you know, that's the same thing. Hakeem would do that all the time. He's going to throw it up and away versus the back shoulder is much more at, again, it's at shoulder height. And so he wasn't expecting that ball to be in that place at that time. If you were to run that play that exact play right afterwards, X would probably give him like, yeah, like nod back. And like, I got you. I got you. I know what you mean. I know what you're trying to do. And they complete that right there. It's like, it's a great ball. X just wasn't expecting that because that's not what Brock likes to do. So dude, if he can throw that, if you can have a guy like whether it's skates or easy Anderson, or I think Jalen Noel is going to be an absolute star by the time he's done. If you can have guys like that, that are able to get down the field D backs and a, and a quarterback who can throw it D backs are going to half. They can't be in a trail position, which if you're in a trail position, you can't throw a back shoulder because, well, I mean, you could as a pass interference, but it's a much easier chance for the defender to get in the way. So if they're going to have to play even because that's the only way that you can actually contend against a deep ball and I can throw a back shoulder consistently. If I could throw a deep ball and a back shoulder consistently, that is the quarterback equivalent of the Dwight Farini spin move is that I've got a spin and I've got to counter off that spin because you have to play so high or so low, excuse me, so low to prevent your spin move 
that I can just have a counter, a punch, counter punch on every one of it. And you can't stop either one. So if they can, if that ball is able to be replicated by Hunter Deckers down the, down the road, that's a really different weapon that this offense has not had really since the only, the few times when Jacob Park was on the, the few games where he was locked in was the, was the last quarterback that's been able to throw that ball or to be able to even have the chance to throw that ball. But the problem is, is Jacob Park was kind of a jackass yeah. versus Deckers is not. Yeah. And I don't know if Hunter's going to, you know, if Hunter will pick up the mental side to what he needs to, but that's a kid with like NFL type arm talent. I know that there aren't yeah. many left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL. So that will probably hurt him a little bit as far as his NFL prospects, but it's like, he has that kind of just pure arm talent and you can see it already when he comes in and makes some of these throws because he's, you're like, man, you can just tell that he's playing on pure instinct right now. You know, yeah. he he's not out there seeing it really that well. He's just like out there playing and just playing ball. He's just street ball. It's yeah. like Caleb Williams. He's playing Caleb Williams ball. It's just yeah. like that, that catch that Brees had that one handed fall away fourth down catch, which was absolutely incredible. That's the only place that ball can maybe even go. And it's just literally just the flick of the wrist over top of it in a pure chaotic situation where he's scrambling to his left, the place falling apart. Brees probably wasn't even supposed to be a receiver. He was supposed to be blocking there, but he noticed that Brock was, or, uh, uh, um, Hunter was scrambling. And so he had to be like, all right, I've got to go do something. And so then that just chaos happened. If he can figure out how to read stuff, the quarterback position I don't want to say it's going to improve because it, it is really hard to think of how an offense will function better without Brock Purdy than with Brock Purdy. So I'm not going to say improve because I think it is somehow, and I think Chris said this on one of the Williams and Bloom podcasts, it's possible for Brock Purdy to own basically every quarterback record at Iowa state and still be underrated. Like, I think that is absolutely true, but he's going to be able to do it a lot different than Brock and a lot physically better than Brock did it by putting the ball where it needs to go on the right time and down the field, whatever. If that kid can figure out how to read 60% as well as Brock Purdy read stuff, this is a completely different, completely more explosive offense. So it's going to be, I think that's an interesting thing going into next year about how, what Iowa state's going to come out looking like, because maybe they, maybe they do maybe like maybe the, the Hanukkah kid, Hanika, I probably should figure out how to pronounce mm -hmm. that. Deshaun Hanika, he'll, yeah. he'll probably, and then Easton Dean and Jared Russ. It's like you still have three tight ends that are going to be good players. I don't know if they're going to. Chase Allen is such a dominant blocker. I don't think that you have a guy in there that's a Chase Allen. So you might not be able to run such heavy twelve personnel as you did before, but you might still try and do that formationally. And Deckers is like two hundred and thirty-five pounds, so you can still, you might still run it tight but they're going to approach it and they're going to be able to take way more deep shots than they did before. So it's, that is an interesting aspect. And we'll get plenty into this in the off season about what the offense is going to look like when you replace Brees and you replace Brock and you get rid of the two tight ends that have been there for 15 years, what that offense looks like. For sure. Um, I figured next week we can do a lot of like, you know, the season in retrospect type of stuff. And maybe we could get Jay Jordan to come on and do a podcast with us and like really go like through the entire season. What do you think of that? Sure. Okay. Jay's, I mean, you wouldn't have to do anything. You just want to get Jay on here. So me and Jay can talk for two and a half hours and you can just sit there. Yeah. Usually it makes my Monday mornings a lot easier when Jay Jordan's here too. 
Uh, I don't have to talk very much. Yeah. Fine. No, I'd love to talk to Jay. Okay. Well, I will try and set that up for us next week. Uh, But let's talk about these seniors. One last time at Jack Trice Stadium on Saturday, 3.30 kick against TCU. Uh, Man, this is going to be like when George had his senior day. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, or when Monte and, and Naz and Matt Thomas had their senior day. This is going to be a – it should be a fun day. I think Iowa State should still win the football game probably. Uh, TCU is, you know, an improved team has and has shown flashes of being pretty good. But but their defense is awful. Yeah. It, it's going to be a sad day to say goodbye to these guys though, you know. And it's also going to be weird because – this is also the, I mean, outside of Allen, Hakeem, and David, there haven't been many true NFL prospects that have a legitimate shot at playing. If I'm Brees Hall, if I'm Charlie Kolar, this is my last game that I play, regardless of wherever bowl game you end up, because it, whether it's Memphis or Orlando, or I don't really, it doesn't really matter. Wherever you end up, if I'm Brees Hall, this is the last game that I play as a Cyclone, because whatever bowl game that is, I don't want to risk like what happened to B. John Robinson in the Kansas game. I don't want to risk that happening to prevent me from being a first couple round draft pick. If I'm Charlie, it's the same thing. Like this might be the last time that we get to see at all period. These guys play in a cycle in uniform, even including the bowl game. I bet Brock goes out and plays again, but there's going to be a couple guys and depending on what the, and they're going to have that conversation with Matt Campbell, like, I sh- I don't want Brees to play like if, if for the bowl game, I don't want him to suit up because I want him to be, you know, like David, like go play in the league, dude, go get your money, go make the university proud by, or your football program proud. you go, you know, go do your thing. Don't hurt yourself doing something crazy in a bowl game that really ultimately doesn't matter. Um, but when, yeah, you're going to be, I mean, the, the, Think what, think of what our expectations were five years ago, you know, like what, what are you expecting the season to be? Is you want to be competitive against Oklahoma and like, you can hope that you can pick off Kansas state, maybe, you know, get to six, maybe seven. If you're having a really, really good year, we're really disappointed with a six, probably it's called TCU with six, seven win season. And we're really disappointed with that. And that's because of this group. That's, that's the only reason that they're, that the expectations have changed is the work that these guys have put in to, to completely upturn a program that we all knew could become a thing that it is now. It just had never been until these guys did it. So I, uh, my in-laws are out of town and, uh, they've got season tickets. And so, uh, Aaron and I are actually taking tickets and I'm going to sit in the crowd because you can't applaud in the press box. So I'm going to sit in the crowd and we're going to get in there, you know, 30, 40 minutes early to give the full throated applause to everybody on this, this senior roster is getting recognized on senior day, because this is probably the most deserving group of seniors that Iowa state has had potentially ever. I have no doubt that it will be a full stadium. I mean, Iowa state fans show up regardless of what's going on. Like, I have no doubt that it'll be packed house and there'll be 61-5 there strong. Everybody get to their seats early. Like, get there in time to see this because the ovation that, like, Brock Purdy is going to get, obviously, Brees probably won't go through senior day, you know. Mm -hmm. But get there when so that when Brees' name is called in starting lineups, 
like you can show him the appreciation that he deserves for what he did at Iowa State. The kid damn near is going to be the all-time leading rusher, which is a a record that before Brees Hall showed up, I would have thought was more or less unbreakable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, Troy is uh, Troy's okay. He's he's okay yeah. runner. And for him to have nearly done it in three years, I know that Troy did it in two, but you got to think about how college football has changed and the fact that Brees nearly did it while playing simultaneously his entire career with the program's all-time leading passer uh, in the all-time leader in every passing statistic and a couple of the all-time leaders in receiving statistics as well for the majority of his career and Brees yet. And yet Brees still did that. Like people need to show up and show him the appreciation, but I can't even imagine the ovation that Brock is going to get that Charlie will get, uh, chase, chase, um, yeah, Greg Eisworth, Mike Rose, like, man, these guys are just it will be really weird to think about Iowa state football without those guys, you know, and it's also going to, it's, it's interesting to think that it's possible for Iowa state football to be without those guys. Yeah. It's just like, it's, that's why I say it's just weird. You know, it's weird to think about an Iowa state football that doesn't have those guys in it because they have become so synonymous with it. Brock is synonymous with Iowa state football now, you know? Yeah. It's Reese just, it's, is, it's just like I said, with basketball, George, George Niang is synonymous with Iowa state basketball. Monte Morris, you think of Iowa state basketball, Fred Hoiberg yeah. synonymous with Iowa state basketball. And like, that's what these guys are now. And it has been a long time since Iowa state's had not just like a group of those guys, but I don't know if there's ever been a bunch of them at one time, you know, you obviously mm-hmm. had Seneca and you had Troy Davis and you had Joel and Allen. Like those are the kind of guys that I would throw into that same category. But other than that, like, yeah, you've had some really good players, AJ Klein, Jake, not like those guys are probably in that category. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but these are the guys who transcend just being Iowa state good and are like nationally really, really good. And for us to have had all of these guys for the length of time that we have, like we got really lucky, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get to experience this and to, you know, it was fun for you and me, I think, to be part of it. In a sense, mm-hmm. this is the first group that you and me have been doing this podcast for their entire career, you know, mm-hmm. and we watched them um, shoot. I remember when Brees Hall committed and you and me doing a podcast, talking about him and seeing what his highlight tape looked like and talking about the kind of kid that we thought that he could be. And it was, I like, remember Jay, I remember I, we were doing, I was doing a recording of this podcast back when we would do it in the radio studio at yeah. 1460 and we did it in a radio studio. You and me were sitting in a room and Jay was on the phone and Jay Jordan was like this Mike Rose kid. He's the star of the class. And we're like, all right, fine, whatever. He was like a two star kid from Ohio that had like a ball state offer. And Jay's like, this kid's going to be a star. And we're like, yeah, okay, man, whatever you say. <laughs> Turns out he was right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, they all lived up to be exactly what, I mean, they lived up to be more than I think what we ever could have hoped for them to be. Brock Purdy was more than what we ever could have hoped for him to be when he picked between Alabama and Texas A&M and Iowa State, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, I just hope that people can come out and appreciate them, regardless of whatever frustrations you might have, regardless of what your disappointment level might be after this season. Like, it's just been really fun to get to watch these guys grow up and get to watch them succeed a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I am excited. I don't know the, the thing that's interesting. And I, I text you this, and this is not to say that it's a bad thing, but like being able to move on from this 
is going to like, you need to have closure on this season, you know, on this group of people it's like in order to feel comfortable being like, all right, well, turn the page now. Like the, the next group is going to the Hunter Deckers and Eli Sanders and the Zach Peterson era, that, that era is starting come January. It's not quite yet, but you need to have that, like close the book, you know, like you officially hug your dad before you go off to college, like that kind of thing. You don't just leave in the middle of the night. So you have to have that kind of that moment to say like, all right, thank you for this. You have done everything you have to get us to get Iowa state to this point. You have done things that appreciate you. And now you're going to go do your thing. Always still be a part of the university. And Iowa state's going to go do their thing. Always still a part of the university, but that kind of like closure point is necessary. And then it's going to be exciting to look forward now, you know, like you're, you're losing a bunch of these guys. Of course, it's going to be really hard to replace any Owazarike. That dude is a stud and has plays every position on the defensive line. But at the same time, J.R. Singleton's not a bad player. You got good guys that are going to be coming in. Zach Peterson has more pass rush moves now than he did at, even at the start of the season. Like he is a better player now than he was at the start of the season in no small part because of Will McDonald and any. And so you have all of this kind of what's going to happen next, but you're excited because there are talented players that are going to be coming next. And again, all of that comes down to the fact that this group has taken it to a place that Iowa state, if you get an Iowa state offer now, if you're a high, a four star five, three, whatever you get an Iowa state offer, it's not one you toss into the Buffalo category. You know, it's not, well, I got a Kansas offer, but I also got a, I don't know, Toledo offer. Those are about the same. It's now, Oh shoot. I got an Iowa state offer and I got a Florida offer and I got a whatever fill in the blank. Like that's, those are some choices now because I know what the thing, what I can become when I go to Iowa state because of what these guys have become when I, when they go to Iowa state. So they have set the program on a track that is different than this program has ever been on before. And the, uh, it's almost like a TV show when you get to the series finale, you know, and you just know that everybody's going to leave. And it's like, you've spent years of your life watching these people on TV and then they're just going to be gone. You know, mm -hmm. it's just over. And like, that's just, I hope people will show up and enjoy that. All right. You got anything else you want to say before we let people go or before we go? No, I think again, just, I would just reiterate the fact. I think usually the senior ceremony takes place. It's like 10, 15, 15 minutes, minutes before yeah. yeah, 10, 15 minutes before the game actually starts, just be there in enough time for that. It's a three 30 kick. So you have plenty of time to kind of tailgate, have fun, uh, still get in there with sunlight because it can kind of get dark by the end of the first quarter, but get in there at three 15 and just in enough time to kind of give, give the due to these guys. And I think by proxy to the coaching staff, again, it's a disappointing season. It's not exactly what you want everybody, players, coaches, administration, fans, they all wanted the outcome of the games to be more, but what got them here and the players that are there and what they're going to do in the future and what the Iowa state's going to do in the future is all set up because of the work that they've put in. So yeah, just get there at three fifteen to, to kind of, again, give the thank you to hug your dad before you go to college. Like that kind of experience is really what you're going to be getting into. So, um, I don't know. I, I think we've done it before where you get the little decibel meter, who do you think is going to get the highest on the decibel meter? Oh, Brock. For sure. Maybe, yeah, I think the only, maybe Mike the only Rose. contribution or Charlie. Yeah. I, I think maybe. it'll be Brock though. 
like it if, be. if I'm Iowa State, I would do Brock last. Have him go last yeah. in the line. Because I feel like that's a that kid was special, man. I don't know. Still I don't is. know. Still I don't know. Is. Yeah. I mean, special kid, special player, special quarterback. And uh, it's going to be sad. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Football and Random Things. We will uh, be back next week. We'll recap the game against TCU and, and the entire season and look ahead to a bowl game. We'll uh, have a great week. We'll talk soon. Peace.